0: Louise
1: McSherry on 2FM.
0: Now, welcome along everyone. I'm delighted to be in the company of Ellen Coyne and we are going to be looking back at all the news stories that happened last week and there was plenty as always. And Ellen, you're very welcome. We are going to start with COVID-19 and the vaccine because as always, we are being thrown loads of information about the vaccine. It's not clear. And when it comes to pregnancy, I think it becomes even a little bit more complicated because it's very hard to find definitive answers to anything really when it comes to women's health women's health. pregnancy and the COVID-19 vaccine is no different. So the latest information that we've been given is that the booster shots
1: are now safe at any stage of pregnancy and so is the the vaccine Yeah, that's right. So it is very difficult for pregnant women. And I think you're so spot on there. It's important to differentiate like the caution that you have in pregnancy vaccine hesitancy from being anti-vax, particularly because up until now, the advice was that women who were pregnant should only have the vaccine between 14 and 36 weeks. Now, that is a really big deal, because as you mentioned at the start of the show, we're talking about reopening society again and people going back to their offices. If you're under 12 weeks pregnant, you first of all, probably haven't told anybody that you're pregnant. And you're second of all, probably very worried about the Delta variant and picking it up. So it is very good news that now, um, you know, our vaccine advisors have said that the vaccine is safe at all stages of pregnancy. But if you are a pregnant person, you're so paranoid about everything up in the 12 weeks from like soft cheeses to like cured meats and stuff. (laughs) To even get your hair done, like everything. Hair (laughs) dye, painting your nails, like you're obviously going to have some sensitivity to a vaccine. It's important to say that Ireland is actually following other countries which up until now have been providing the vaccine to women at all stages of pregnancy. But Stephen Donnelly, the health minister, was saying this week, you know, this is the advice has changed and when the advice changes it makes people nervous, particularly when you're pregnant. If people have questions which is totally normal to have and you shouldn't be ashamed of having questions, he's just advising people to go to your obstetrician, to speak to your GP, to make sure that you get it from reliable sources because if you turn to the internet even benign sounding apps like Instagram, there's a lot of stuff there that can be very toxic and can be very dangerous and it has been an anti-vax tactic to kind of play on women's fears about fertility and conception that, uh, that has been a tactic long before Before COVID-19. So women in that cohort are are particularly vulnerable and the the government authorities are just saying, you know, really be cautious. But the advice is very clear. An mRNA vaccine can be given to women at any stage of pregnancy now.
0: And it just feels like it's another another thing that women have to try and figure out and understand by themselves and deal with. And as you said there so many things play on the fear that women have when it comes to their fertility because If you put anything into the internet, it's always just bad news, bad stories, worst case scenario. It's just so hard to actually separate the wood from the trees when you're trying to get information.
1: Yeah, it is. And like, to be fair to pregnant women, you know, hospitals were coming out. Uh, a few weeks ago, kind of saying that, you know, vaccine uptake among some of their pregnant patients was low. And that was kind of being spun as, you know, women weren't pulling their weight or doing enough to make sure that hospitals could lift restrictions and let partners back in. But to be fair, like when it was decided to give the vaccine to pregnant women, the HSE was hacked. (laughs) So that didn't happen. And that rollout was just kind of, um, that rollout was a bit scuppered from the start. And there are a lot of uh, pregnant women who will be going back to work in the next few weeks, including primary school teachers who would really love the vaccine but it hasn't been available to them up until now um, and I think it's very hard at any stage of pregnancy to be left kind of floundering for yourself and trying to scrabble for information and I think that the um, one of the kind of takeaways from all of this is that everyone agrees that up until now there should, be, should have been a much clearer public information campaign on COVID-19 and its effect on pregnancy from the start.
0: There also should have been a better set up when it came to lifting restrictions for partners and um, for pregnant women heading into hospital not only to go and have the baby but even just for going in for their appointments and that plan, it's still not clear and it's so upsetting actually to read accounts on the internet of these vulnerable women, women who are trying to deal with everything and on top of just
1: being pregnant trying to figure out vaccinations as well on top of that and not knowing what kind of birth experience they're going to have. Exactly and I think I only saw this morning some of the maternity campaigners were saying that the small increases that they have had in hospital restrictions are not going to be introduced now until I think the 13th of September and there's no clear guidance on why that is. And I know that in your wearing your other sports hat, there's so much discussion about having tens of thousands of people back at Croke Park and it's obviously quite a bitter thing to watch if you're sitting in a maternity hospital at the moment.
0: Yeah, it really is. I can absolutely agree with you on that one because um, at least with sports you know there there does seem to be a plan and it's very hard to understand how could there can be a plan for sport and not a plan for pregnant women and maternity hospitals right you did bring up sports so I'm going to <laughs> take this opportunity to move on to the Paralympics um, which have been brilliant they've been they've been great our athletes have been absolutely ripping it up in Tokyo with medals Michael McKillop is actually in a 1500 meter final at 11 o'clock so people do tune into that but I think all eyes are on Katie George Donlivia and even McChrystal who have been just brilliant in Tokyo. Oh
1: my god, they are absolutely like, I think there's a really cool video of them walking into the Olympic Village um, that was put up this morning and they're literally like laden down with medals which is a great (laughs) thing to see. But yeah, as you mentioned uh, Katie George and Levy and Eve McChrystal won their second gold medal (laughs) this week which is also their third medal in a week because they'd already won uh, silver. Um, It was in the B race and it actually had quite an exciting finish because um, they were basically kind of head to head with um, a British team and just kind of in the final lap they just had this massive acceleration that kind of um, brought it home it has brought the number of medals that we have so far to four golds, two silver and a bronze which is just absolutely incredible and I think I only felt like the Paralympics had just started and it feels like they're wrapping up way too <laughs> soon and I was kind of using them as a chaser for the Olympics anyway to like extend the joy of it um, but it's such a fantastic result um, our other medal w- winners obviously are Ellen Keane Jason Smith Nicole Turner and Gary O'Reilly and I think that I mentioned before with the Olympics it's such a shame that we can't have the huge homecoming that did they deserve but I think that the all of their interviews after they've won have been such a tonic and not just the medal winners, like people who've been competing and have become Paralympians for the first time is also just so fantastic to see um, and I think it's the kind of news story that everyone has just been clinging to this week because it's just been a joy to watch.
0: Yeah, the performances have been brilliant but the backstories that go with these athletes as well, we talk about inspiration and heroes and legends but those people are just unbelievable. So Alan, what about the housing crisis. So the housing for all plan was launched and as always when you see government officials lining up launching something you can't help but feel a little bit cynical.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah and nobody could blame you. Um, And I think particularly with this issue, like we know that housing is probably the biggest political issue in the country. It affects people from all different demographics and backgrounds. The government have been talking for ages about bringing in this big plan to try to ease, first of all the rental crisis and second of all the housing crisis with uh, the high cost of homes and people not being able to buy. This is called housing for all. So so it's a forty billion plan, which will uh, spend four billion over the course of ten years. There's so much in it, from you know trying to reduce rents, trying to use vacant sites in towns above shops. But the headline figures is basically the government is promising that it is going to build three hundred thousand homes by the end of twenty thirty, and um, it's going to start by doing around twenty. Well, it claims twenty thousand homes a year, increasing that figure to thirty three thousand a year. And it's going to be a mix of social houses, affordable houses, cost rental houses and private houses. But some of the criticism has pointed out that of those 300,000 houses, more than half will be um, in the private sector. Obviously, anyone who's been navigating either the private rental or the private uh, housing sector knows that It has some significant flaws and people are kind of making the point that, you know, would it not be better for the state to take a bigger role in this, to stop private developers building houses on public land to try to help people? Because there's also been the point made that when they talk about, quote unquote, affordable housing, that's very subjective. Affordable in Dublin City apparently is 450,000, which sounds like a lot of money to me and probably more than the vast majority of people could get more. That's nearly half a million euros. Yeah, and that's affordable. Now that is obviously Dublin city, and it is staggered based on what area you're in. But like in Galway city and Cork city, affordable is marked at four hundred thousand, which is again a lot of money. If you're single, you can basically forget about it. Um, if you're a couple where one person doesn't work or both of you are on a lower income, it's very very difficult. So even when the government is kind of stepping in and trying to help people, there's still a lot of people who would be left behind. The state is saying, you know, this is the largest investment in housing in the state's history, but Sinn Fein and Labour and other parties were very quick to point out that they don't think that this goes far enough and they're not sure in 10 years time if this will have helped everybody equally to try to get out of the housing crisis.
0: Well, unsurprisingly as well, it's already hit a little bit of a speed bump. There was reports this morning from members of the construction industry that they will not have the staff to go and build all these houses because there is a huge shortage of tradespeople as well. So, um, And I think anybody that is undergoing any bit of construction work in their houses as well will be able to relate to that. It's impossible to get anybody to do anything, let alone build thousands and thousands of houses. So, Alan, what about the leave insert? We saw it; um, they got their results yesterday. But a lot of the focus is on grade inflation. It's been such a tough time for a cohort of that cohort of young people who have been doing the, their exams and then going to, into college. And some people opted to not go to college last year after the leave insert to, to wait out the year and to take up the college places um, a year later. But unfortunately, for a lot of those people, there's been some grade inflations.
1: Yeah, so it's worth bearing in mind, like this is our second year of basically disruption to the Leaving Cert because of COVID-19. Last year, we had the um, kind of accredited grades system, which caused the average grades to go up by 4.4%. This year, we had a new system where people could choose to either do the traditional written exam that you and I would have done, the accredited grade system, or a combination of both. And the benefit of doing both is your higher grade was guaranteed to be taken. So after the 4.4% increase in grades last year, they rose again by 2.2%. So this is an absolute record. It seemed to be particularly high among the higher grades. So if you think about higher maths, which I remember as being particularly traumatic, (laughs) uh, the proportion of people who got an A1, which is, very difficult to get in that subject jumped from 8.6% to 15.1% so the increase in people getting um, H. I feel like I need a H1 myself to do this it's <laughs> 75% which That's is impressive. um <laughs> But as you said, like it's great that everybody, a lot of people got the results that they wanted. People, some people got higher grades than they expected. But as you said, you know, there's between ten and fifteen thousand people applying for college this year who didn't do their Leaving Cert this year. So if you did it a previous year when the average grades would have been lower, there's a chance that you might not be able to compete fairly amongst people who did their leaving cert this year. And while we had records grades this year, we also have a record number of of people applying to the CAO. There's 84,000 people trying to get a college place and hoping for one when the CAO releases its offers on Tuesday. That's because, as you said, there's a mix of people delaying things because of COVID-19. We also have a rake of uh, international students applying to Ireland who previously would have applied to the UK but can't do that anymore because of Brexit, because of the higher fees. So it's going to be very, very competitive. And it also means that it's likely that a lot of courses are going to raise their points. So while you may have got a higher grade than you expected, it may be harder to get onto the college course that you wanted. The government has tried to deal with this by adding four and a half thousand extra college places, but that may not be enough, and while a lot of people will be very excited to get their CEO offers on Tuesday in the first round, um, there is still scope for a little bit of disappointment and a little people a little bit of people thinking that maybe um, the system wasn't exactly fair to them this year.
0: Oh God, that's really tough because young people are some of the worst affected really by the pandemic. They've had so many of their experiences taken away from them that like having college to look forward to is it might only seem like a small thing but to a lot of people it'll have been massive and they'll have been spending months and months building up to that and for the opportunity not to come their way it'll be really really heartbreaking. Let's turn our attention to the US now and um, like Manny I'd say you have been looking at some of the images coming in the aftermath of Hurricane
1: Ida it's been absolutely horrific over there some of them look like end of the world stuff. It is like, as you said, like apocalyptic, just cataclysmic images coming from the northeast of the US. Uh, Hurricane Ida ripped through New York and New Jersey. They were kind of the two states who were worst hit. They uh, both. It declared status of emergency. At the moment, the death toll is 45. 45 people lost their lives in flash flooding and some of the devastation that followed. And a lot of what happened was in cities like New York, a lot of people would have been living in basement apartments or people might have been trapped in their cars. Like some cities literally looked like they were turned into rivers. Um, and those people ended up in extreme difficulty. The subway was completely submerged. Um, there was huge damage all the way through. And all of the officials were kind of saying that this was absolutely unprecedented. Like both New York and New Jersey have put billions of dollars into their flood defences over the past few years, but they would have focused on areas like the coastline parts that would have been traditionally flooded. It was very, very unexpected to see flash flooding in these huge kind of city centre metropolitan areas. And the officials were kind of saying, you know, this was a once in a generation event, but they're not going to treat it like it will not happen again in a generation. Joe Biden was very quick to say that this is obviously clearly tied to climate change and stories like this have come up on our news review so much over the past few months. Um, And the point they're kind of making is that the way that they deal with flooding in parts of New York and parts of the US and parts of the world that never would have been flooded before means that we need to completely redraw how we deal with really, really extreme weather events Joe Biden has released emergency funds for both New York and New Jersey. And unfortunately, the search for survivors is still ongoing.
0: It's frightening, Alan. And, you know, you, you said once in a generation there, but this, these things are happening over and over again. You yeah. know, it's that's the, the scary part about it. And you just wonder as well, is it gone too far? Is there anything that we can do to try and reverse these um, really, really big weather, um, weather scares at this stage? I'd say that's what they are. So let's stay with the US, Alan. This is a story that I I really didn't want to have to talk about, but unfortunately it's something that's really important that we do talk about. Um, We talk about things being disturbing and, and this really is. So the US Supreme Court have refused to block radical Texas abortion law.
1: Yeah, so Texas is one of the states in the US that have been trying very, very hard to unravel women's reproductive rights basically since 1973 when the US Supreme Court said that women had a constitutional right to access abortion and access reproductive health care. So they brought in this new law which is effectively a ban for abortion in almost all cases. They've called it the Heartbeat Act which means that when you're about six weeks pregnant if a sonographer can detect a heartbeat and abortion is illegal it's important to clarify that that's six weeks from your last period not six weeks from conception, which effectively means most women wouldn't even know they're pregnant at that point in time. So it's a law to effectively ban abortion. There's absolutely no exceptions if you've been a victim of rape, if you've been a victim of incest. The only time an abortion will be allowed is if there's a risk to the woman's health. Twelve other states had tried to pass a law like this before, but they have been caught up in the courts. But what made this one really significant and Basically, a cause of massive despair for women's health campaigners and abortion rights activists is when it went, when um, activists tried to uh, ask the Supreme Court for an injunction, the injunction was voted down by the Supreme Court. We know in America the courts are much more political than they would be here in Ireland and different US governments would try to appoint people to the court who match their political leaning. Because the Supreme Court is stacked with a lot of conservative judges at the moment, it appears that this could be really significant and could basically mean that abortion rights unravel the whole way across the US. And this is significant for us because Irish anti-abortion campaigners have always had strong links to the US. The tactics that are tried in the US are often tried here and while we we are still very soon, you know, post-repeal in 2018, you can absolutely bet that some of the bills that have been passed and introduced in the US, we will see similar copycat ones coming up in the Euroctus. Is this the end of the road
0: for that, though? Because often we see when things like, as you said, reproductive rights are unravel like that, it does mobilise
1: people. Is there any uh, any other options for people who have been campaigning for these rights? Yeah, that's a really valid point. Like, if you think about young feminist campaigners in the US, like, a lot of them may not have had to fight for reproductive rights for a long time so they may have been complacent and this has been an absolute shock to people. Joe Biden has already said that um you know Joe Joe Biden is a catholic and a very devout catholic but he is kind of more on the left on this issue. He would be very much with his party the democrats and he's saying that the white house is absolutely very concerned about this and will be trying to take action. Um even without this, though, there's a lot of states like Texas that kind of have been re- introducing what most people would see as kind of nefarious ways to try to stop abortion through other means without actually doing it. So in some st- some states, when you go for uh, when you try to go for an abortion, the doctors will be required to read out things to you that are actually medically incorrect. Um, just designed to kind of scare you off. So doctors are kind of required to lie by law. So there's all this sort of nefarious stuff that's always been happening in conservative parts of the US, like Texas, which are a massive cause of concern. But I think, as you said, this is so um, ominous and so significant that this would probably galvanise a fairly significant pro-choice movement in the US again.
0: Okay, well, I have a feeling that is something that we will be discussing on this show, or you will be discussing on this show anyway, a lot in the future. Alan Coyne, thank you so much. As always, I feel a lot wiser after talking (laughs) to you.
1: Louise McSharry on 2FM.